We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where we're recording. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging, and to all Indigenous peoples worldwide who are listening in. Hello and welcome to the Doyen Interviews with me, Bridget Nathan. Well, we have made it to the final episode of Season 1, and what an amazing set of guests I have had. I feel extremely lucky to have had this eye-opening, or should I say, ear-opening experience. In this next episode, we chat to Julian Ang, a Sydney-based architect, about her current role as a director of Studio Plus Three, her studies in London at the AA and working for Heatherweek Studios. Thank you, Julian, for your time over Skype. It was great to unpack the evolution of an exciting emerging practice. Also, thanks to Anon for the beautiful introductory music. So, yeah, I would definitely say um, to anyone out there, if you, you just have to, if you're thinking about something, you should just go ahead and do it. Because even if you think, oh, you know, my chances of getting that are really slim. <laughs> well, yeah. a chance is definitely better than no chance, right? So um, <laughs> that's how I kind of thought about it. And that's, you know, I definitely there were moments where I was uh, really thinking, oh, you know, I just do that on a chance. And, and they were really central to the kind of opportunities I had. Thanks, Bridget. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, really, to be on the program. And it's a really exciting um, podcast you've got going there. And I hope that it's been like a really wonderful journey for you. Um, yeah, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> it <is>. absolutely. <laughs> I wish I was, you know, I was wish I was hearing your stories. <laughs> in terms of uh, a bit about me, um, yeah, I'm a director of Studio Plus Three, where um, an emerging architecture practice, um, currently working across arts and cultural and architectural projects. And, um, yeah, we founded the studio between myself and my two partners, um, Joseph Byrne and Simon Rakoski. And, um, yeah, in the past few years, we've established our small practice um, by straddling both residential projects as well as arts and cultural projects. So, yeah, for example, we did um, an exhibition about Egyptian mummies that we designed for the Powerhouse Museum and, um, yeah, in collaboration with the British Museum. And um, we, one of our current projects is designing the Nicholson Galleries uh, for the uh, University of Sydney's Chowchak Wing Museum, which is a new museum that they are building to house their three collections of uh, natural history and antiquities and the art gallery. Um, and yeah, we've got a commission to uh, design the interior fit out for the antiquities, which is very exciting. <laughs> cool. And so that's pretty interesting and unique to be working like so heavily in experiential design and residential. Um, where does that come from? Does it come from your prior experiences? Like, is that something that you guys have done deliberately? Because it almost sounds like you're not just architects, you're also like exhibition designers. It's definitely something that we consciously try and do. And um, we, I think it does come from our experiences uh, working at other practices um, in Australia and overseas. So as a trio, we kind of bring our 
collective experiences in a way to the studio and having studied at the architectural association in London and then working at Heatherwick's studio was always kind of exposed to these, um, to like things that weren't architecture really. <laughs> so yeah. kind of seeing this, you know, we did some furniture or some landscape design or things like that. And, and Simon was working for a practice called Nissen Richards studio in London. And they did a lot of work in kind of um, exhibition sphere. So, and theater as well you know, work, working with the v or working with the Natural History Museum or um, doing videos for like a Mexican production company. We kind of always had this duality, I guess, or maybe just a more, uh, a, a really wide sphere of influence. And it's something that we've always wanted to continue to be involved in. And so it's something that we like to, um, you know, consciously consciously make an effort to 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 get into those worlds um yeah so cool and so um i mean the aa is notorious for the sort of um i guess abstracts probably is too simplistic but for the sort of work that is produced that's um just really incredible and all things architecture I guess you could say um and all things not architecture um and Heatherwick Studios as well are um you know for anyone who's listening who's not as familiar with them Thomas Heatherwick was not uh, not trained as an architect but the work that's produced um and it's it's a fairly large firm now but yeah, the yeah. work yeah the work that's produced is um, ephemeral and many levels um, coming back to or coming yeah coming to Sydney and establishing a small practice how has that experience been is it been are there many crossovers between like what you're doing now and what you ex- experienced overseas yeah I definitely think it's been an experience um and we always all three of us sort of bring our kind of experiences as individuals to the practice and so uh you know I think we uh I I, as an individual kind of and and the experience that I had working on these kind of uh different kinds of projects in London um come back and then you know Joe was working at um Johnson Pilton Walker and so he has a, a different kind of experience and and Simon with um all his uh kind of all the cultural and theater experiences that he's got um definitely uh you know brings that to the table as well so I think in terms of starting up our own practice we did consciously um think about the kind of projects that we could get and of course you know with some level with the experience that we had I think especially um Simon's kind of skills in the and experience in the theater and exhibition world um, you know, we were, you know, we kind of, one of the first projects that we got actually was a public tender, which we, uh, was for the National Maritime Museum, which was the Warships exhibition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was like a, a, it was a very, it was a pretty small project, but it kind of combined furniture and exhibition and kind of, uh, you know, the naval architecture and design all in one kind of project. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so cool. How did you guys come together? Uh, we have all known, the three of us all known each other for a, a, a very long time. So yeah. uh, 
myself and Joe studied at Sydney University together in our bachelor degree. Um, And so we were really great friends since the first year. Um, And we pretty much worked a lot together whenever we had the opportunity. Yeah. And then I met Simon at the the end of my first year of architecture, um, which was when he came to Australia after finishing his bachelor's degree in architecture um, uh, at Sheffield in the UK. So we all knew each other for very many years before starting the studio. And so, yeah, with myself and Simon, because he was British and I'm Australian, so we couldn't actually study in the same country. (laughs) So we actually had to sort of follow each other around, um, you know, working and studying in a variety of countries. Like Wow. Yeah, so we kind of went to, you know, I – did an exchange in in Montreal in Canada and then he was at uh, University at TU Delft in the Netherlands Uh, and then I sort of got the opportunity to study in London so I ended up going there and then working after that and during that time and then he came to London so basically we spent years sort of traveling around Europe and following each other around each other around the globe all of you sound like you've got really strong and overlapping backgrounds like that's really cool yeah it was it was kind of uh, yeah it was really it's not that we sort of set out to do that but um it sort of (laughs) ended up just being that they were the opportunities that were that we found and so yeah I would definitely say um to anyone out there if you you just have to if you're thinking about something, you should just go ahead and do it. Because even if you think, oh, you know, my chances of getting that are really slim. <laughs> well, yeah. chance is definitely better than no chance, right? So um, that's, <laughs> that's how I kind of thought about it. And that's, you know, I definitely there were moments where I was uh, really thinking, oh, you know, I just do that on a chance. And, and they were really central to the kind of opportunities I had so yeah um essentially yeah (laughs) yeah so like what was it like at the AA I think a lot of people probably have ideas about what it's like there um like what was it like there and what was like one project you loved um so yeah my time at the AA was really just one of the most enjoyable times really I think um as a school I really enjoyed it because it really gave you an opportunity to decide what you were into. So um, it's run on a system of units where, uh, you know, each group of students, you'd be like 12 people or something like that in your, in your unit uh, with the one or two tutors. um, And you choose the tutor that's interested in the same things that you're interested in. So, Yeah, so there's a kind of interview process where um, the students are interviewing the tutor in a way, and the tutors are trying to pitch to students so that they can get um, they can get good students, and the tu- and the students are trying to get into um, the units. And of course, some are more popular uh, than others, and you know, some are really established. So you get the system where you know you've got one day where at the beginning, the ver- day one is basically um, a a pitch from each of the tutors and then day at the end of that day you you know you put your name on a list 
of, you know, I think get your first, second, third option, that kind of thing. And then the next day is an uh, interview process where you kind of go and uh, interview with, um, you know, maybe your top your two, top two or three kind of on your list. And then there's a process where, you know, um, basically they choose you or you choose them and, and you kind of uh, can choose what you're into and they – it's a kind of mutual – respect in a way so that's really nice so you actually choose your tutors and then also um there's a brief for each unit so for example might be in my final year we were looking at um infrastructure uh and the kind of use of old infrastructure um in london so you know my project was kind of situated around a old bathhouse an edwardian bathhouse which was uh, now disused and um it was a project about looking at how that infrastructure could be reused again in a way that contributed to the city now um and, and so it was kind of like a infrastructure um uh, but inserted within the uh, sort of old parts of the city kind of in the fabric of the city itself and so yeah that was a pretty fascinating uh, project and as part of the so at the AA as well it's um, each project is a year long so rather oh, than wow. Australia, yeah so in Sydney University we were uh, you know have I think we sit which is similar to a lot of Australian universities where you have uh, one semester to you know, do all your research and then do the project. And yeah. so, yeah, at the AA and in pretty much all the British universities, uh, you have a year. So you, you spend time doing maybe a research project or kind of exploratory project. Um, and so, for example, we went to Detroit as a unit um, to go and look at post-infrastructural projects there and kind of opportunities where people are taking over and using spaces for things that, you know, were not originally planned for um, because they have that situation where, you know, the city is kind of being um, – that where, where the city – you know, people are leaving the city. It's almost like a ghost city in some ways. So this looks like this abandoned city. Like yeah. it's crazy. It really is, and it's so quiet. It's eerily quiet. So it's very strange in some ways. And then, um, you know, and also we were there in the middle of winter, so it was like oh. minus twenty-five or something like that, and we we're sort of <laughs> driving around. Um, you know meeting up with artists and kind of like projects where, you know, they're projects where it's taking over abandoned spaces or rethinking about how to use these abandoned buildings for something else. And so, yeah, it's pretty interesting. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you might sort of start with this kind of um, a more research-based project or a kind of a test where you might make a prototype or do an exhibition or something like that. And then you kind of go on and they're all sort of projects that kind of uh, relate to um, the theme. And so then by the end of the, the year, you've kind of had time to digest it all and then come up with your own brief and your own scheme and your own set of prototypes and, yeah, get the opportunity. That's, 
<laughs> That's so cool. And so what do you think, like I'm sure you learnt a lot of things at the AA, but what's like one or like what are some examples of skills that you learnt there um, that you've like used in your career? Uh, okay. Um, I think actually one of the really good skills, well, there's a, um, I've learned a lot at the AA and there's some really favorite things for me, but I probably think that one of the things I really learned was because they have so many, you're expected to present your project so many times, um, so many different people. And so that experience and is something that we we take here so you know we'll have constant reviews and just talk about it and talk about it so that by the time uh you have to present it you've actually already talked about it so many times that it's easy (laughs) you know and um that I think is really helpful as well when you're studying and you you know you kind of I think it's really helpful for um, students to, you know, pin up and review and discuss all of those, their project, even if it's just an idea, Um, because, you know, I think that experience is just, you know, helps those thinking processes about, you know, what you think, what is your position, why is it going to be like that, or why is it better than another another way? And so that kind of process is definitely something that... I um, learned and kind of it was a result of of being pushed into these situations um, where you were constantly having to discuss and having to defend and, you know, that kind of um, atmosphere where everyone is put under the same kind of uh, conditions and and you have to stand up and defend why is it like that or, you know, uh, yeah, I think that that's really valuable. And the other thing I really love about the AA is that they have there's a place called Hook Park, which is basically a workshop in the forest um, in Dorset, which is I don't know a couple of hours on the train from from London. Right. So, and it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing place. Uh, it's a huge workshop in the forest and you can make anything you want really in those workshops and we would go there for you know two weeks at a time to go and make prototypes or models and just do casting in concrete or just tests and you know it's a really fantastic environment um really great people as well um, and just a really wonderful testing kind of an atmosphere. So you go there and you'd be like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going there for two weeks and I don't have no idea what I'm going to make. <laughs> and, you know, wow. you're going to come here with all your stuff ready and prepared and all your materials and things. And, you know, you're kind of sitting on the train going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's a pretty fantastic thing because you get there and you just start making something. And, of course, something comes out. So, you know, I think it's a kind of a wonderful uh, thing that I've definitely carried through, um, you know, probably one of the reasons why I um, worked at Heatherwick Studio is because it's that similar kind of attitude to making and um, testing that, you know, you kind of take through. So you just start, <laughs> you just have to start. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I would love to hear more about Heatherwick Studios. 
as well, but just on that, when you're working in an architecture firm, sometimes the, um, yeah, this idea of making and building is so far removed from what you're, what you, you're doing at yeah. Heather Studios. Did it kind of, yeah, sort of transition Yeah, you like that in the workplace? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember thinking that I was really lucky because I got to play with things at work <laughs> because, you know, it'd be just making a model and, but it was actually a really playful environment, which was really lovely. Um, so yeah, definitely the testing and the model making and prototyping was something that um, we did a lot at Heatherwick and kind of definitely uh contributed to my sort of approach really and um yeah it was fantastic having I mean there's some really like I just was telling you about the hook park and the workshop there and yeah Heatherwick is fantastic like amazing and it's right next to your computer so you know you're like <laughs> three meters yeah. away from the door to the workshop and you know, <laughs> just got an idea or something you can just go and, and test it out or or work with some of the amazing um makers in the in the workshop to yeah to produce some uh produce some amazing models which you know we worked really hard on so some of the uh you know they they require a whole team of people to actually come together um so yeah some really you know whether it's working um, with timber or veneer or um, you know casting or resin or 3D printing and then plating or something like that. So we I learned a lot about um, the kind of various uh, techniques and sort of yeah. models and methods of yeah making things basically. We gilded some stuff <laughs> sometimes. That's so cool. <laughs> it's pretty yeah yeah it was a really nice a really great place to be um yeah and I learned a lot for so, sure so cool and so how does that get translated from the models to documentation what's the process um so we would generally and this is something we do as well now like we generally will uh like test things in 3D and then there'll be a sketch model. So we might, whatever we like in 3D, we'll then try and test in something sketchy, you know, it could be just cardboard or foam or something. Yeah. And then look closer, you get to the kind of um, presentation, you know, it'll sort of develop uh, from a sketch model into then a real model out of real materials like timber or um ply or 3d printed or so on and so there'll be a kind of constant process from moving to uh from a sketch model um you know where you're just testing a bunch of ideas whether it's like masking or um you know just geometry or something like that and then um you know then we'll sort of just make more iterations until you kind of get something which you're really happy with and then uh basically it's then pretty production into the actual model itself and then at the same time you know once we've got that idea then it's about um you know pulling that out and 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 making it into a presentation kind of format so making real drawings and and all of that um yeah and that's definitely something that we 
um, you know, we still do um, definitely in a, you know, we'll still uh, make things. Uh, we always use 3D. We're always um, trying to test things maybe in a sketch model. Um, and, you know, we like to make models out of nice materials as well. So we try and do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously in a small practice, it's probably a bit more, um, you know, uh, like challenging, I guess, because you don't have a whole yeah. team of, of makers and <laughs> things like that too. But, um, yeah, no, we definitely think it's really important to the process of design and, you know, um, you kind of have to test it in order to realize whether it's a good idea or not. And so that'll kind of be, you know, often we'll do that in, in 3d and in, in digitally because you know we just test it first and then if we like it we'll go further you know um so yeah that's definitely a part of our process for sure yeah that's so cool and so um what does making mean to you making brings up all these uh issues maybe that you might not have come across if you only did a plan or something like that you know like uh, it's definitely um that making something in in physical terms starts the brain thinking in a way that's different to just looking at a computer screen which <laughs> is definitely something that i think you know in this kind of world of technology and being bombarded with information and um you know social media and all of that all the time we have this sort of screen-based life and i think getting out of that world is often really valuable just to reset the brain yeah it's an incredible uh communication tool really i mean because you know you don't have to resolve everything you just yeah yeah, you can and i think you see it in our students as well um when we're teaching that you know i think uh, simon said to one of our students oh well you know, just make 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 10, okay. Well, they came with six and that was great. And, you know, yeah. one of them they loved. So I think it's really awesome to just have a process and, you know, you you just, once you set yourself a task, you're just like, okay, I'm going to do six. And then you just do them and don't think too hard. And then at the end you kind of come out and, um, you know, you actually have an idea, a, a concrete idea that you can show to people and ask, what do you think of that? You know, I think it's a really awesome tool. Is there anything like in particular from Heatherwick Studios that you learned as well that's um, kind of shaped who you are and how you approach things? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there is an uh, there's definitely a process that has influenced um, the way that we work as a practice. So, um, you know, we've kind of, with our different individual experiences, um, come to a kind of method of reviewing and testing that I think is really valuable to the way that we work on projects. So, we like the idea of um, it being a bit of a, you know, a bit of a democracy because, you know, we will present and review ideas constantly and 
you know, we pick the best one. So it's not about, you know, whether this is my idea or someone else's idea. Um, but we really try to use the process of um, just pinning up on a wall or, you know, looking at the various different approaches or going away individually and doing, uh, you know, a bunch of different explorations um, and being three individual people, we'll do them in three individual ways, <laughs> completely yeah. ways. And then we'll come together and just have a chat and, um, you know, pin up sketches on a wall or, you know, look at like a bunch of different options. And so, yeah, that I think that's really critical to the way our studio functions and it kind of, yeah, it's definitely the case that our projects are kind of the result of this process where we all sort of pitch ideas and then they somehow intertwine to form the end result. What are some of the projects that you guys are working on at the moment? I think we sort of touched on some earlier. Um, but what, yeah, like what's what's an example of a project that you're like really loving at the moment? Well, some of the things that we really like doing is that kind of crossover between the kind of arts and cultural kind of uh, world and then the sort of residential world. So we might be one day, you know, trying to fit, you know, living spaces onto like a really tight urban site. And then, you know, the next day we'll be, you know, like today working with a curator to kind of uh, work out uh, how best to display ancient objects from, you know, Rome. So, um, kind of variety is just, is pretty, is really important to us. And yeah, we, we really enjoy that kind of work. You guys have been doing a little bit of work with other firms. I think you mentioned you, um, got invited to do a competition with some pretty big names, which sounded cool. Yeah, so um, we got invited recently to do a competition with Woods Baggett and and Dillis Cofidio and Renfro in New York, so for an Australian project. Um, And so, yeah, that was a fascinating kind of experience because, you know, we get to be involved or, you know, put a pitch together for a project which, um, of course, would be too big for just us ourselves. So we definitely relished the opportunity to kind of, um, yeah, be involved and see how how they do things. Um, you know, definitely we have a lot to learn and certainly it's, it's a wonderful thing to kind of be invited um, to participate with bigger practices. Um, yeah, as an emerging architect, for sure, like, you know, the like design excellence competitions and, and initiatives like that are kind of really great for small practices like us. And we know, of, you know, um, of colleagues and, and so on who, who have had really fantastic opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I think those things are really good. Yeah, that's so cool. And um do you guys know where you're going? Like, is it an organic path that you're walking down or have you got a few things planned out that you're, like, wanting to do? Yeah, we tend to plan out. We'll have certain things that we want to go for and it's always a bit of a challenge to kind of, you know, plan things in advance for your, uh, you know, we want to do that in November. Um, yeah. But we've got all these projects, so we have to do that and that and that. So it's always a bit of, like, as I'm sure a lot of people would know, it's a juggling act. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, but, uh, yeah, we we have a kind of, um, 
we actually, yeah, we do talk about a lot, um, you know, what kind of work we, we want to do. And, and, you know, I think keeping that diversity is really key. Um, and so that sort of forms a lot of discussions about, you know, uh, what kind of work we want and how, how do we, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we yeah. get there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And so is it something that you're wanting to, like in terms of growth, do you look at it? What sort of a lens are you looking at it through? Like, is it, would you want to grow and be a really big firm in Australia or would you want to stay um, fairly small and, yeah, really um, mm. focus growth in, like, terms of the types of projects that you're doing and the types of ideas that you're thinking about or, um, like, yeah, what does growth mean to you guys at the moment? Yeah, well, we – I think we um, – it's always hard to sort of uh, try to predict the future, isn't it? But yeah. – <laughs> You know, yeah. we probably would like to see ourselves um, continue to being be active in the arts and cultural sector, and then definitely growing our practice with more commercial and and public projects. Um, definitely, because I think we all believe in the value of public architecture, um, and you know, it's wonderful when a building can be experienced by everybody. So, um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of architects would aim for and hope for because um, ultimately there's, you know, architecture, it's like a constant exploration of beauty and craft and material. And so I think when you uh, have great projects that give a lot to the city, I think it's really wonderful. And we obviously, you know, have spent um, time visiting some amazing architecture um, and I think that's really valuable to keep in the back of your mind always um, because, yeah, I think in terms of Australia, you know, we we as architects have a kind of opportunity to embrace the Australian city and the experience of density because, you know, I guess in our travels, you know, living in London and so on and, and travelling around Europe, you kind of, are exposed to um, the benefits of of dense cities, um, which I think you know in 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 Sydney and Australia, it, it's kind of um, very much a new world city. You know, designed around the car, and um, I think there's a real value to thinking about architecture for the future being um, something maybe smaller and something maybe um, beautifully designed but compact. Um, and sustainable and all of those things for the future. Um, yes. I'll um, start to wrap it up. Go so quickly. It's like this big time war. But have you had any any challenges or, like, do you have any comments about your gender in architecture? Yeah, I definitely have my own um, observations, I suppose, which I think when you uh, asked me to be on the podcast I thought yeah. this is a great opportunity to do some more research. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, you know, I, I definitely think that in architecture and architects as a profession, as people, we sort of like to think of, 
of ourselves as progressive people and, you know, we'd like to think that architecture as an industry is, um, you know, should pride itself on equality. And so, you know, but then when you look into it a bit, you, it's, it's of course not true because we're not there yet and, and society in general isn't there yet either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess there are, you know, great role models for women in architecture, um, but I think it's pretty, it's pretty challenging because it's project-based and often really intensive um, and so it does challenge the kind of work-life balance. And I think that's even further challenged when people have families. And I think that's why, um, you know, we see the kind of numbers, which I think you're probably aware of reading the parlor studies, like, which um, is an amazing resource, really. I think it's something like 40% of women architecture graduates aren't staying long-term in the industry which is a massive number. And I think it's, you know, the numbers seem to reduce as you progress through the profession, which I, I totally, you know, think that the it sort of fits in with this society's expectation or sort of reality that actually when there's a family, you know, that childcare or family care tends to be largely sort of shouldered by by women and it you know of course we don't want that we would like a more equal kind of a society where everyone can sort of share that eat more equally um yeah. yeah so it's kind of really interesting to think about how I guess our workplaces can be more flexible to allow kind of part-time working I guess in a more meaningful way because you know you to allow like women with talent and skills um, to share that workload in a more in a meaningful way. Everyone's got an opinion about what you should and shouldn't be doing, and sometimes it, it they're informed opinions, and sometimes they're from people that you didn't ask for that information. And <laughs> it, yeah, so um, I don't know. It, it's a funny. <laughs> The, yeah, the kind of, I mean, definitely this podcast is a really amazing experience and resource to have for you because, um, and actually I think it's really good for um, for people like me who, you know, where you're basically raising awareness and consciousness about the issue, which is such, uh, which is a really important one for, I mean, uh, even wider than architecture. I mean, it's important society Um, because, you know, you look at uh, the Scandinavian countries have got childcare down pat (laughs) and, you know, that you can have, uh, you know, you can have both parents sharing leave and, you know, a much more like rounded uh, approach to childcare and yeah like I mean definitely what you're saying about um you know it's not just on the women's side it's definitely true because you know I was talking to Simon about this actually earlier and you know I was talking about how you know it's really kind of about flexibility because you know for example where you know definitely in my own experience I had you know a project architect where um you know and she was on not on maternity leave but having a baby and so and uh we had a kind of setup where it was like um a project architect with a lot of experience and then a more junior 
um, architect who was kind of um, was more available to put, you know, put time in and be there, but doesn't necessarily have the experience or the kind of knowledge or wisdom that an older, more experienced architect might have. And so, you know, kind of having both, but maybe, you know, not as many hours from, well, you know, having the ability to have a part-time kind of older mentor um, to a more junior person, I think, could work. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of probably easier to manage in a kind of a larger practice than a smaller one, but it's sort of one of those things where I was thinking, you know, maybe it's something more like that where it's possible to make kind of smaller changes. And yeah. And and actually then Simon was like, oh, well, you know, it's actually not just women because actually if men also had that option, then actually men could also take more responsibility for childcare, you know, across the board yeah. in a uh, ratio. Right? Like I'm sure not all men want to stay at work and work full time either. Maybe some of them, I mean, I'm sure some of them don't. So, yeah. you know, Whoever wants to work should be able to work and whoever doesn't want to work, you know, that would be great if they have options for um, flexible uh, kind of working where they're actually still contributing in a really valuable way. That's so true. And, yeah, I was was actually thinking about that kind of stuff today. I actually really enjoy going to work. Kind of like on the other hand as well, like it's kind of unfair that, if you've got one parent who's doing like the sole full-time care of the kid, mm. whether it's male or female, and then you've got the other one that's going to work and like taking care of a kid is awesome, but it, sometimes it can be pretty tiring. And I was yeah. thinking, oh, if this was me and I got to go to work every, and, I, and, I, and taking care of a kid is definitely work, but if I was going to work every day and just like loving it and I don't know, having all these coffee breaks and stuff, I was thinking, I feel like that's so unfair to the one person that's at home with the yeah. kids. Even though, like, it's, I'm sure, very fulfilling with kids and I can't, like, wait for that time to happen. But I don't know, like, yeah, really fun in architecture and you wanted that to be shared. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's, you know, why does it have to be binary? Why does it have to be 100% or nothing, you know? Yeah. Thing, like obviously there are workplaces that are definitely um, trying to address it. But, yeah, I guess as a society, um, you know, we're really not there yet. So I guess we need to keep trying. <laughs> cool. Well, just to finish up, I've seen that you've sent through um, or had a think about some quotes to finish up on, which I thought are really cool because um, they could potentially, yeah, end the series, which is so so cool um yeah did you have any quotes that you've been thinking about yeah um well I guess when you said that there had to be a quote I sort of thought it has to be a woman really for this (laughs) podcast Um, and so I kind of um yeah I was actually looking at Marie Curie who um I've been reading about a bit about recently but one of the things that she said was be less curious about people and more curious about ideas and I really liked that because I kind of thought it encompasses how happiness in creativity and life is kind of brought from ideas so it's not really like an architectural quote but 
kind of relates to life in general in any of life's pursuits, you know, where, whether it's creative or academic or kind of scientific. And, yeah, I mean, I guess I learned about Marie Curie. Like, I think she's pretty amazing for her achievements in science. You know, obviously everyone knows that she kind of discovered radium and and she was the first woman to be to get the win the Nobel Prize, and I think she got it twice. But as a person, so, she kind of had a massive impact. So, like when World War One broke out, she made an X-ray machine, and then she went there to the front line herself and X-rayed all the soldiers to find out like where they got shot or where they broke their arm or whatever. And so I just think that's kind of an amazing thing that. Um, I didn't know before and thinking about the sort of development of that technology and how it is so important to medicine and humanity and health today is pretty incredible. So I kind of thought that that the idea about being less curious about people and more curious about ideas is super important. What an amazing quote to finish up on. Thank you, Julian, for your time and also to all of the other guests who have taken part in this project. I'll see you next series.